Hello, everybody. It is once again time to tell you about our corporate overlords, Benevolent, of course. As you well know, over at Fangoria, this classic magazine has been at it for over 40 years, and it is better than ever. This highly collectible publication comes right to your front door four times a year, and each issue of Fangoria is filled to the brim with articles exploring every nook and cranny of genre filmmaking, past, present, and future, with all the most exciting journalists, filmmakers, and horror know-it-alls to guide the way, including your intrepid KingCast host from time to time. This high-quality writing will only ever appear within the physical pages of the magazine, so if you want to join in on the fun, you'll need to subscribe. In order to do that, you need to head on over to Fangoria.com and sign up, and since KingCast listeners are in the family, you can enter in the promo code KingCast at checkout to save a whopping 25% off your entire order. Now, with all that said, on with the show. Hi. My name is Stephen King. The ice is gonna break! But sometimes that is better. Hello and welcome back to the KingCast on the Fangoria Podcast Network. My name is Eric Vespi. And I'm Scott Wampler. And we are your hosts. When I tell you we have some real losers on the show today, I think you'll know I'm not being insulting to our guests. All you diehard Stephen King people will know that. We have some of the OG Losers Club here today to talk a bit about their time in Derry and the upcoming making of Doc Pennywise, the story of it. Please welcome Emily Perkins, Brandon Crane, and Ben Heller to the KingCast stage. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hello. Hey, everybody. This is is weird talking to y'all. Like, like I'm I'm just going to say it. Well, yeah, like we grew up, you know, Eric and I were at just the right age, uh, probably the same age as y'all were uh, at the time to to watch that miniseries. And this this particular thing looms so large in the like minds of Stephen King fans that I I don't know. I feel like um, I feel like I grew up with y'all in a way. So it's kind of surreal to be talking to you. I don't get well, starstruck by by most people, but <laughs> I'm kind of starstruck by by you folks. Well, well, that probably happens to Brandon and Emily all the time. It never happens to me, so I, I feel good. <laughs> <laughs> well, he meant specifically only you. He like Emily yeah, and you, and he's like, "This is fine." Oh, geez. But, no, no, really I'm bad. sorry to yeah, see. I am not. Over. I am unfamiliar with Emily and Brandon's work. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> here for for Ben Heller. But do y'all get? Do y'all get? Um, recognized in public like what is the level of celebrity that you're dealing with as a result of the it miniseries not often like every every few months someone will um say hey were you the girl in it and then they're mm-hmm. like oh my god and if it's it's usually a girl who will recognize me and say like i wanted to be you <laughs> i and i'm which always kind of surprises me because beverly marsh should not have a very pleasant childhood <laughs> <laughs> right but she did get to hang out in the sewers a lot which is really fun and enviable exactly right. yes very enviable sewers yeah <laughs> and maybe if you're in the uh maybe if you're like into the um the wardrobe of that era you know yes. i can imagine that <laughs> that also playing a part yeah the pedal pusher era and the saddle <laughs> right shows. right yeah personally i'm 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 loving living in obscurity like it it's <laughs> It happens every once in a while. And then when it does, 
and I'll like fess up. They go, no, you're not. Well, you just asked me. <laughs> you and Danny yeah. Lloyd from The Shining should go bowling. Oh, I'm sure he uh, he gets that too, huh? I I would imagine. I have, I, yeah. I haven't actually spoken to him. He's like a math teacher. He's trying to keep it quiet these days. Oh, yeah, no. Or is he a math teacher, Eric? Or like a history teacher? He's a teacher of some <laughs> yeah, sort. Yeah, I, right? I don't know. I know he popped up in Doctor Sleep. He did a a cameo yeah. for for Flanagan in Doctor Sleep. Oh, but I uh, missed that one. Hey, let's hear the teachers. I'm a teacher as well. So. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, nice. My wife's think- a teacher. What do you teach? Uh, grade seven. Okay, right on. Yeah. Oh, nice. She works with sped students, but that's cool. Like, um, where are you living? Uh, Vancouver still. Oh, yeah. oh okay. So you, yeah. you, as a you were fact. from Vancouver originally? Yes. yes. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Did you, uh, did you know Laura Harris by any chance? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah she, she, I know she's in it for like three seconds, but I, she I, is. Uh, I met, I met her on the faculty, uh, and like had an instant, like puppy dog crush on, on her. And, oh. uh, uh, and she was just the sweetest person. And she was like, we've been like super close friends, uh, ever since I just like last week FaceTimed with her and she's back up in Vancouver with, uh, with her daughter. She's oh, kind of out of the acting business now, but she's. Yeah. See, next time you talk to her, please say hello. I love her. Like she is just the most lovely, wonderful person. We went to the same high school. Um, and yeah, we were friends in like in a drama club and stuff. And yeah, she's just an awesome, awesome person. Yeah. I think she has like two lines or something. She like insults you in the movie, right? She like, yeah, she does. Yeah. Uh, walks yeah. by you and she's like, some people it's have the editors for parents. That's yeah. it. That's the line. Yeah. Yep. You, you just want to punch her. Like, oh, yeah. So convincing. You're like, oh, I hate this person. <laughs> She's the best. Emily, why did you pick the hardest grade to teach? Uh, <laughs> That's a great question. Good question. Well, actually, this this last school year, I taught grade four five, and I loved mm. it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is way easier than grade seven. I think I just want to teach grade four five. But then it just – things just – the way things went was that I had ended up having to teach grade seven again. Okay. So I'm a little nervous. I'm actually already having nightmares because last time I taught grade seven, ooh, it was it was challenging. Like I I love the age. It's a super like vulnerable age. And it's you know, it's a turning point for like in Canada, grade seven is the last elementary school age, and then grade eight is high school. So hmm. um it's yeah, it's it's an important year but it it is it is really it's hard but um (laughs) you you kind of feel like it's making a difference when you do make the connection with some of the kids yeah i think seventh grade was seventh eighth grade were my rowdiest years yeah i mean that's saying something for you scott i well you know like high school is a different thing now you have a car you have access to things you can you know your your shenanigans can sort of ramp up, but like seventh eighth grade, you're you're still living with your parents. You know, you're still very childish. You know, you're you're more prone to uh, hijinks. I think. Yeah, and your your like, brains are like frying like, eggs. Like, yeah, and you're and you're kind of and you're like just advanced enough to like really put a spin on the hijinks. It's not like <laughs> someone dropping a whoopee cushion. Like now you're halfway to being an adult and you can like come up with you know ways to disrupt the process that you might not have it like let's say eight years old yes and so yeah and you really have to like i feel like you really have to like win those kids like you have to make them want 
to be there and want to like please you or not please you necessarily, but like they have to be in it, like on side. And because you don't really have any power over them at that point, like they're, they're right. as smart as I am. Oh, <laughs> they can, and they're way more, I, I, at first I thought, oh, I love grits. I can be sarcastic with them and like joke with them and, it, and it's all good. Whereas with the little kids, you can't do that. But man, they are like far beyond me in terms of like <laughs> being persuasively insulting. So uh, yeah, it's a challenge. Well, if they're impressionable, then I'm going to task you with uh, uh, making a whole new generation of Stephen King fans and assigning some Stephen King reading mm-hmm. uh, because we we need the show to go on for multiple generations. That's and, true. Yeah. Yes, I should do that. I should I should assign like the body or something next mm. year. I'm going to do yeah, that. Yeah, there's there there's a lot of awkward talk about dicks and stuff in the body, but uh, uh, but I if we make that measure, then that's going to be every Stephen King book. And story. What is this? We, true. We've known each other for 20 minutes, and you're already putting us to work. That's uh, how I do. That's how I do. <laughs> ben, uh, what are you doing? Um, I am uh, in the tech world, um, so I'm a, a business analyst at a company I work for is called Siemens. And uh, so, yeah, I just uh, basically help bring software uh, to life. It sounds pretty debauched. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I have to... Caligula over here. <laughs> no, no, trust me, it is not the most engaging subject. Uh, well, I'm going to have to tell you to sneak in some Stephen King coding. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, and, I think that's a great idea. <laughs> I, I agree. And Brandon, what what are you up to these days? Um, you know, I I work in uh, I live in Central California now, so you do as the Romans do. Uh, I work in agriculture, broadly Ooh. speaking. Um, right. So I actually work for um, a dairy uh, commodity trading outfit that's that's what we do we buy and sell um dairy feed and you know the glamour that they tell you about uh at a very young age (laughs) at the dairy feed level is real i'm i'll be honest with you when you said you were agriculture in california i instantly thought you were you were like working pot fields and stuff but no 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 and i and i the thought has crossed my mind (laughs) don't get me wrong Especially it's a big business. You, especially now that you can buy actual like zigzag cones. Like I think I'd be <laughs> in deep trouble. You know, I, I wouldn't be able to respect the, the profit margin. But um, yeah, just the dairy thing wasn't on my bingo card, right? Um, I worked as a stagehand and a lighting designer for years when I couldn't get arrested on stage. At least I could stay working in the medium, you know? Mm-hmm. Um but then, you know, the economy took a, a really crazy turn and um, we were just not prepared for that. So we thought, OK, we have a very young child. Um, my wife's family is from the, the Fresno area. I would say the greater Fresno area, but it's the Fresno area. <laughs> um, I've been to Fresno. I know what you're talking about. Right. So we live in this little Irvine town just next door to it, um, which, you know, is great. Awesome schools. Um, you know, biking trails, walking trails. Um, it's, it's, it's actually quite nice in spite of the heat. It's, uh, it's actually quite nice, but we, um, we wanted to come up here for, you know, 18 months, two years reset and then go back. But, um, 
that time that we had spent away from our respective businesses, um, they they all kind of moved on without us. So uh, we thought we'd stay, and um, and we we've 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 stayed since, and it's it's actually it's actually been great. It's been great. For yeah. Us. Right on. That's awesome. Yeah, and if we, you know, we have an, I, I live six miles from an airport that can get me anywhere in the world. We're remote, but we still have 7-Elevens. Like, it's a win. Like, it's um, a yeah. total win. <laughs> the best of both worlds. No, when I was a bachelor, my whole, like, my main criteria was how far away, if I'm mm-hmm. looking for an apartment, how far away is the nearest 7-Eleven, right? <laughs> it has to be within walking distance, right? So I can, you know, get my scandalous 7-Eleven sushi fix or a hot dog or something, whatever. So, is it, is it, so it is the dogs and the sushi because I was going to ask like, what's the uh, particular attraction to 7-Eleven? But no, look, I get so much shit for having, for, for even acknowledging the existence of 7-Eleven sushi. And what? no, it, I don't believe <laughs> it. Exists. I don't think we have that here. <laughs> well, Canadians have much better taste than we do, yeah. but, Seven Eleven poutine in Canada. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. So you you have like it's it's just prepackaged basic sushi, right? It's refrigerated, so the rice is hard. It's not particularly fresh, but it's not rancid either. And, <laughs> not rancid, and if it's, 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 it's almost if it's, sushi. <laughs> if it's one o'clock in the morning, well, okay, it started life out in a. In with the best intentions, let's put it that way. Okay, <laughs> started off with the best intentions. You know, they put the plastic lid on it, taped over the thing. It says, you know, California roll or spicy tuna roll. You know, right, it's cool. I mean, it's you're not going to get like a rainbow rolls or any you know like super fancy Western sushi, right? But you go in there, and if it's one o'clock in the morning, I'm sorry, what sushi bars open at one o'clock in the morning? Uh, and you've got a hankering for some sushi. Well, there it is. Okay, There's so an argument to be made that right maybe next you... to a garlic dill pickle in a bag and a and a Slurpee, man. That's what this, else? Is way, this is a segue back into horror. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> it, could, it, could, it could be. We have a a grocery <laughs> market chain down here in Texas called H E B, and and they do uh it, it, like people in Texas are fanatical about right H E B. Um, they do everything. And they have sushi. And so I, I I sort of sympathize with you because I have told, you know, people from out of state, like, yeah, I fuck with sushi from the grocery store. And they're like, what is the matter with you? Exactly. You know, and you're like, dude, it's look, I sometimes I don't have time to I like you want the sushi. Right. But you can't get to a sushi restaurant like you right. just want to be done with this and do it in front of your television. So that's what we do down here. I respect your, thank you. your 7-Eleven sushi no, thank choices. Thank you. Yeah. It's 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 just utility. I call it utility sushi. It's like because, <laughs> no, because it's utility because it's, sushi. Because, <laughs> because, because the timing is everything. And honestly, at the end of the day, it it's it just satisfies a, a craving. And it's clean food, right? It's clean food. Well, allegedly. So it's supposed to be clean. Allegedly, it's clean. Right. So you know, you want something that's kind of good for you well that there you go i mean granted you like pass by the the bin on the left with like bananas and apples and things you're supposed to be eating it doesn't <laughs> mm-hmm. matter I you're also, not in a 7-eleven to be eating things you're supposed to be no eating. you are not <laughs> uh, 
like like they have these taquitos that I'm kind of a slut for, right? Oh, and I, jalapeno I, and cream I know, cheese. I, I know. I can follow you with the taquitos. <laughs> Thank sure. you. Thank I've you. I've done that. It's that, so that was my. I, I covered Sundance um, for many years, and that was kind of my go-to. Like, if I was not by the overpriced uh, stuff downtown uh, Park two City, for, two it, for two twenty-two. It's oh, like for sure. it's so perfect and so bad for you, but but there's there's that, and then my other like. My other thing, and I, I, I feel like I'm going to get this huge weight off of my back, right? By yeah, please do. This is the show for it. I know. Oh, I'm, I'm airing out all of my shit. <laughs> um, I, I love those little Cracker Barrel individual cheese slices. Like, I will, mm-hmm. I will buy like six at a time if I see them, right? Or if I feel like I'm not going to see them for a while, depending on the supply and demand, I'm, I'm just going to buy the box from the guy. That's that's my latest sort of fixation. Shame. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. But it's out there now. And I, I think I feel better. I feel, I think, I think I'm having a, a breakthrough and I, mm-hmm. I can't thank you enough for, for indulging a, me. Yeah. So this is a confessional booth. Oh God. It feels so good. <laughs> well, um, before we get into talking about the documentary and your experience on, uh, the it mini series. I guess we should talk about each of your Stephen King origin stories. Uh, I'll let's start with Emily. Were you aware of Stephen King before you recorded the, or excuse me, before you, you know, got roped into this mini series? I was dimly aware of Stephen King through my aunt, who was a huge Stephen King fan. Mm-hmm. And like my, I had a younger cousin, I was 13 at the time that we filmed it. I had a younger cousin who'd like seen all the Stephen King movies so far. And so it was like, they were super excited when I was cast in it. And so my mom sent me over to my aunt's house to be educated. So I got to <laughs> Um, the Shining and hmm. Carrie and the Children of the Corn. And hmm. yeah, I was just totally terrified. Um, How old are you at this time? I was I was 13. I just turned 13. Okay, right on. I think I was probably 12 when I was like learning. Um, Did you have any experience with horror before this? Um, a little bit. I had seen um, The House on Sorority Row. Um, mm-hmm. when I was like six. Okay. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a random one. I know, isn't it? Yeah. It's so random. Um, yeah, like it was one of those situations where you're like at a at like a some family get together and like mm. one of the older kids has like rented this uh, yes. and put it on and yeah, and yeah, it was a very small child. Um but yeah, I had I didn't ha- have a lot. So actually I was pretty lucky because those are some, I mean, like Carrie and The Shining are still to this day, like my some of my favorite horror movies. Like, right, sure. So, Children of the Corn, maybe not so much, but maybe yeah. not so much. But the yeah, the other ones, they're I mean, they're classics and they're 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 wonderful. Um, so yeah, I had a pretty sweet introduction, and then getting to be part of making it was just yeah, incredible. And I remember my aunt saying to me. Um, the thing about Stephen King is, and she's like, the reason I love him so much is because he, um, above all other authors, remembers exactly what it's like to be a child. Mm. And she did not have, my, my mother did not have an easy childhood at all. There was abuse in their family. They were really poor. 
Um, my mom was born in 1950 and her, my mom's name is actually Beverly. So, um, and my mom was like, oh my God, you're playing me. <laughs> like <laughs> you're me, like this is meant to be. Um, so yeah, it was this really interesting familial connection to Stephen King. It was pretty mm. intense. And that yeah. comes up in the doc too, that you, you know, were essentially wearing the same clothing she wore as a yes. child. Yes. She said, like, I had that, I had that exact outfit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was cool. And, um, how about you, Brandon? I, I had, um, I had, um, well, Emily, I'm just still thinking about the things you were watching, the shining and all of that. That's, that's a <laughs> lot. Like mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a lot to bear. None of which apparently would, you know, prepare you for the Ewok adventures, but <laughs> oh yeah, um, the adventure like that really scared me as a kid. <laughs> Wait, what e Ewok adventure? <laughs> the the uh, the Star Wars movies that were like the original like oh, with solo the fucking Star Wars spiders in the caves and and Wilford Brimley, yeah, Wilford yeah, Brimley I didn't like you. that. It scared the shit out of me. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I don't. Well, I don't like spiders, so that's true. Yeah, nobody does. Nobody does. Or diabetes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is true. Diabetes. And, uh, well, go go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say I I had um I had a neighbor, sort of you know common common origin story. I I had a neighbor who was kind of a few years older than I was, and he was kind of my pop culture ambassador. And um, I'd say six months to a year before. Um, they were casting this, you know, he, he got me into like salmon Rushdie and I mean, but I think <laughs> this, the satanic verses had just been banned. So everybody mm. had to have it. Right. But he was, right. you know, he played guitar. He was the cool kid on the block. Um, so, you know, he introduced me to a lot of different things and it was one of them. Um, namely, you know, as a 14 year old boy, you, you've got to read it because of the ritual, right? It's gross, but I mean, that's, that's just where you are when you're 14. You know, I, I'm thinking of Emily teaching seventh graders and just the, the sizzling brains in the skillet, like they're, <laughs> they're just, I don't know. They're, it's, it's an interesting time anyway. Um, so he introduced me to the book and, um, I read the book, but I wanted, I mean, I, I read the scene that shall not be named, mm -hmm. um, but I was compelled to, you know, get a little backstory, get some exposition. So I, <laughs> wait, so, I, so your, your creepy older friend next door yeah. didn't tell you, Oh, you'll like this book. He was like, you should really read this really. Yeah, I mean, in lieu of, in lieu of, <laughs> you know, of, of, you know, contraband, mm -hmm. like, you know, passing down a hustler magazine or something terrible, you know, he, he gave me this Stephen King book. Right. So anyway, I read it and I, I was living Ben's life. Right. And so I, I just remember reading it and I know they had been making these movies. I didn't have a lot of experience with them, but I, I did ask my agent at the time sort of in passing, uh, if this thing ever comes up, please find a way to get me in. Right. <laughs> really? Because, because I, I'd only ever done like, you know, slapstick humor and, and I was like the token fat kid. Mm. I'd only done, you know, throwaway stuff, honestly. And, um, and 
uh, you know, I, you I, thought I, it would be filming that scene, right? You thought they were getting <laughs> no. I I knew no matter under no circumstances would they be you know doing that scene. Yeah, ABC I, would I, be totally fine with it, I'm sure. I was not yeah, I was not you know looking forward to an illustrious you know career in adult films. Um, I was, oh. No, I I I knew my limits early on, but the I just remember having a connection with that character and, and, and that was, that was my first introduction to Stephen King. And then I started watching movies and then, uh, Oh my God, when I got the phone call that they were casting for this thing, I freaked out. I was like, this is my shot. You were Um, Charlie bucket and you're like one of those golden tickets will be mine. Yeah, I was, but I didn't have, you know, like a grandpa Joe character. To, you <laughs> just, just stayed in bed all day and let you stay, do all the work. All day. And then when he finally gets his ass up to help you out, he's gonna blow it for me by screwing around with the bubbles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. Uh, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't have any of those kind of figures in my life, thankfully. But that that was my introduction to Stephen King, and um, and then very quickly, you know, working on the movie. Um, you know, and then of course, you know, watching everything I could to kind of prepare myself. Um, I didn't go as deep as Emily did until later. Right. And Uh, how about you, Ben? Yeah. I mean, uh, I think I was probably around eight years old and um, just from, you know, playing outside with the neighborhood kids and, you know, riding your bike around and stuff. My first, I guess, intro to Stephen King was not even really through necessary directly through a, a book or a movie, but rather because kids used to um, call this dog in the neighborhood, they used to call him Cujo. Right. And, you know, you didn't want to, you know, get in a situation where that dog was going to have access to your body. Let's put it that way. Um, and so I had to find out, you know, like um, I knew that wasn't the dog's name and I asked my parents about it. So they, I, they told me, you know, Cujo. Oh yeah, Cujo's this um, this book by Stephen King, and, and you know, and I remember thinking, oh okay, interesting, you know. And then must have been not too much longer after that. I, I think you know we got HBO, and I just started seeing all kinds of of you know Stephen King movies. So like you know Emily was saying, The Shining, uh, Carrie, Christine, um, you know, and then later on Stand by Me. Um, and, uh, which of course is not, you know, necessarily horror, <laughs> uh, related, but, um, but yeah, that was, that was my first intro and, um, man, I absolutely loved those, those movies, The Shining, Christine, Carrie, um, uh, Christine really, for some reason gave me a lot of anxiety as a kid watching that. I, I think it was just like the slow motion car crushing scene. Um, <laughs> that, that, that'll uh, do it. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so um, it, it definitely hooked me on, on Stephen King, um, even though, uh, you know, maybe it was, it was a few years later uh, that the audition came up. Um, and I, I, I was aware of the title of the book, but, but that was about it. And so uh, shortly after uh, getting uh, notified of the audition, I, I read the script, read the whole thing front to back and um, started to read the book, but then was, was told not to. Um, and then just because the topic, uh, coming up, I think it was later on in talking with, you know, kids at school about this audition and and it and everything. And, and 
kids were saying, oh, are they going to, you know, are they going to do that one scene? And I, I had no idea what they were talking about because I hadn't read the book, only the script. Um, so uh, <laughs> I didn't think, I didn't believe them actually when they were describing this to me. Um, and then <laughs> later on, later on, I, I realized that, yeah, that that's true. That is true. So yes. it happens in the book. It's not happened in the script is, is uh, it was what I was able to confirm. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a great sequence in this documentary. I, I did not think that uh, they were going to touch that particular corner of mm. the it mythology, and y'all get into it. Like um, uh, Emily, you you talk about the some of the other boys were you know kind of sideways making jokes to this, and you just weren't aware of that uh, of like what it meant, and then you ultimately read the scene and we're like, Oh, here we go. And I thought that 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 was kind of brave for the, for the doc to address that. I think people sort of handle that element of the novel with kid gloves, uh, so to speak. And, you know, y'all, you know, rose to the occasion. I think, I, I, I think this is one of the more interesting aspects of the doc itself. Yeah. It requires in this day and age, it's requires a little bit of, bravery or stupidity to talk about <laughs> that kind of issue. I mean, to live in a very politically correct time mm-hmm. when things like kind of need to be sanitized for like litigious reasons. So, um, yeah, but, uh, but nevertheless, like s- sexual becoming that is a part of, of childhood. It's kind of ironic actually that we, um, that we don't, that we did, that we're, we're like kind of not allowed to talk about it, but at the same time, we're supposed to be embracing it, but you can only embrace it in a certain way and right. talk about it in a certain ways. And um, so it's very like, yeah, it's a very policed topic and it just feels safer, like not to talk about it. It, it, it does feel a little, well, it's, it's, it's awkward, like, which is really interesting because I read the book the first time when I was about 12, 11, 12, and reading that scene, you get to it. And as a, at that age, you're like, you know, you know that it's taboo, you know, it's weird or whatever, but it, it doesn't really take on that kind of like, oh shit, this is like, I shouldn't be reading this until I like, I didn't experience that until I reread it in my twenties or thirties, right. reading it as an adult. And you're, and then you're like, what the fuck is this? You know, now like, <laughs> yeah, like, it, like it, and I think the difference was, and I was trying to narrow it down. The difference was at, you know, the older age, I'm sitting there thinking about the, man writing the words a 12 year old me was just taking in the story to that end you know i i do kind of like you know king's when he's talked about it he's addressed it um uh you know and how that that's just kind of solidifying the whole theme of becoming adult and the whole book is you know the, the whole story for these kids are leaving childhood behind and going into adulthood and and, and all that and you get it but at the same time you're never you know, th- there's a good reason why we're never going to see that thing visualized. It can exist on the page. I'll be happy with that. But, well, uh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, so, I'm kind of even surprised that, like, it's allowed to exist on the page. <laughs> These days. Yeah. No. Like, pretty soon, like, it's going to be banned or something. I mean, of course, which would just draw more attention to it. Well, but- yeah. Well, not in Canada. It won't be banned in Canada. Yeah. No, it'll still be cool. Anything goes in Canada. But, like, I <laughs> felt like after I, like, told that story for the 
doc about how like I can't remember whose trailer I was in one of the boys trailer and all the boys are like oh my god Emily you know what you have to do in this movie and <laughs> and it, like I was like maybe I shouldn't have like fr- or maybe I'm misremembering it or maybe I'm telling it in a way that like makes it sound like it was some kind of like sexual harassment this mm. is like my me too story and right. <laughs> it isn't at all but like you could see how people would interpret it that way like there's oh, right. totally people just seem like they're just waiting to like to get outraged about something and yeah. but I mean it wasn't like that it's just that's how conversations go between kids who are curious right. you know um and, you know, I wasn't hurt by it at all. I just was like, okay, I got to get more information. Like these boys have information and I need information. So mom, get me this book. <laughs> I <gotta read> it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like we're like, we have to rehearse right now. No. That's not where we were going. I mean, at all. We were just dumb kids being dumb. Of yeah, course. which like you should be, we should be allowed to be in like, I, I don't know. I feel, yeah. That is how kids are. And that's kind of the point of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're at that age, you're, you're saying things you shouldn't be saying. You're doing things you shouldn't be doing. You're, you're kind of figuring yourself out. Uh, at a, at a certain point, I feel like, yeah, it's a, it's a really rough topic, but. Also, I think it's it's true to the spirit of the novel. And yeah. and so I don't feel like like I I get what he was going for, even though I'm kind of weirded out by it like later in life. So right. not too judgmental about it. But um, like by by no means is is all of the exposition in the book leading up to that moment. No, and not at all. No, that's, not at all. I mean, that's the thing. It's, it, it's if that uh, was the point of the book, we'd be having a different discussion. There wouldn't be a movie about it. I mean, it, it, <laughs> right. You know, my next question for, for all of you is, uh, and this is probably a hack question because you get it every time, but like, I just want to hear all of your stories about Tim Curry. Tim <laughs> Curry is, is a, fucking legend you know and you you folks got to be right there in his face he got in your face especially you ben there's that scene where he throws you into a into a fucking wall and it's like Mm -hmm. man i'm just i'm i'm wondering how scared of him you were i'm wondering uh if you had downtime with him i'm wondering a million things just like please just just fire everything you have at me right now about (laughs) tim curry well, okay. So I'm glad you brought up um, how scary, uh, you know, he is or was as Pennywise and the slamming against the wall. The slamming against the wall, that was the first time I ever smoked a cigarette. And um, <laughs> really, I mean, probably, like in the aftermath? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because, because Tim smoked so much and his breath. <laughs> I was like, all right, this, well, this is what nicotine is. Um, and, um, of course, you know, that was an afterthought because, you know, you're right there in the moment. Um, and, and, you know, Tim, uh, uh, just, you know, when that camera's on, even really before the camera's on, um, it's, it, it, he was so effective at, at doing what he did. It, I really was terrified, terrified in, in the moment. Um, you know, and yeah, we rehearsed and everything, but when, um, you know, when the director called for action, um, honestly, I, I, it's, it's hard to, to recollect exactly what I was thinking because I was just, you know, 
um, in the moment with the scene, knew the lines, knew my marks, what I needed to do. Um, and, and really, I think that it, that those moments working with Tim for me as an actor was the very first time, perhaps one of the only times where um, I felt like a hundred percent or more in the scene where like literally nobody else is around and it's Tim and I only. Um, right. So I, I think that's hard for me to maybe articulate, but, but I just, I just remember even after, you know, Tommy would say cut, it, it took me like, I mean, noticeably for, I noticed it took me like, you know, a, a few beats to actually come Recover. back to real life. Yeah. Um, so, and I credit Tim for that um, because of just, I mean, just, you know, being in his presence will elevate you as an actor. And I was brand new to the business. So I, I really needed that. But um, to, to kind of wrap it up, I'll just say, you know, Tim um, didn't have a ton of, of you know, um, direct interaction with him, uh, um, you know, uh, in between takes. But um, but there were a few times that, you know, he was he was uh, warm and kind and, you know, invited us over maybe to take a picture um, uh, but the thing that I remember the most, <laughs> one of the things I remember the most is while, um, actually shooting these scenes down in the sewer with him and, um, I'm still getting familiar with some of the, uh, you know, the terms that were being used. Somebody said, okay, we're going to set up for an ECU. Right. And I didn't know what that was. Um, and, uh, uh, come to find out, you know, extreme close up, Right. Um, and so, but Tim pulls me aside <laughs> and he says, he, you know, and I'm not going to try to do his accent, but he, he pulls me aside and he goes, it's actually an EF ECU extreme or fucking enormous. <laughs> um, and, and I just thought that was hilarious. I loved, I loved his little commentaries. And so, yeah, I mean, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity that I'll, I'll cherish forever. Brandon, how about you? I think, you know, like the scene where, um, you know, we're sort of to play opposite each other on the lake. Um, it was literally just me and, and some tape on a map box, like the whole time. He had finished his bit. Um, and so we sort of were passing ships in the Barrens. <clears throat> you know, that's sort of the path that we took to get to the lake. Um and that was the, the first time I met him. Um, and I wouldn't have any really thing to, to do with him uh, until we were, you know, in the centrum, you know, filming the confrontation. But um, totally gracious person. I was completely starstruck because I loved um, the wise guy. He, he was on uh, wise guy. At the sure. time. Hmm. Um, I'd worked with Jonathan Banks a few years before, and he was my spirit animal. Um, Jonathan Banks from Jonathan Banks, Breaking yeah. Bad. Jonathan Banks, exactly. Yeah, that guy. That the very same. And so anything he was on, I would I would watch. And that was sort of my introduction to Tim Curry. And then I realized, oh wait, that's the guy from Rocky Horror. <clears throat> I think The Hunt for Red October had just come out, also. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was very much fresh in my mind. So th- this guy is a legend, probably the biggest star. Literally, I yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd ever worked with. Yeah. And um, so I was terrified to to meet him. And he was just so gracious. He's like, or I think the AD was like, oh, Brandon's been dying to meet you. And he just looked at me, stopped. He looked at me and he goes, well, here I am. 
And I was like, you, you, you certainly could have made that like awkward and you didn't, you're awesome. But I will say this, like when we were filming that confrontation, looking back on it, it was a total masterclass. And I, I say that it's so like almost becoming trite, but it, it's, it's true. I studied to do the work um, <clears throat> after I did the work, so to speak. You know, like I, I, I went to school afterwards to, you know, to really um, try and, and, and be a real actor. And, um, you know, the dairy feed business really appreciates that. All of that effort <clears throat> really does. Really does. <laughs> so, you know, time, time well spent. <clears throat> but, looking, but looking back, um, but looking back, I mean, I, just to see his process. The good thing is, I mean, Tim... It just it seemed a little method, and then um, there were a lot of moments where it, it certainly wasn't. While we were rehearsing, he's like, "Okay, you want me to stand here?" Very was this your experience, Ben? Where he was just very sort of soft spoken, and you know, this is where I stand, and okay, you want me to do this, and we'll try that, and then like the yes. minute the minute Tommy would say, "Okay, let's let's try one," he'd say, "Action!" and this massive electric light, you know just yeah. goes off this this energy radiates it cuts through you it it's so powerful um Definitely. i'm looking back i mean it, fuck, it was lost on me then but um but but certainly it made our jobs really easy <laughs> it was a, a lesson on, on how to be present and how to really give to make sure that the others receive wow that's intense like i i don't remember feeling that at all i just remember thinking about jonathan brandis and my crush on him when we were like <laughs> i didn't know who tim curry was i didn't really care i was just a dumb kid <laughs> <laughs> just like oh jonathan brandis is so cute and now look scared <laughs> i i don't yeah. believe that for a second emily honestly i mean i believe that you had a crush on him it's cool um but i mean <laughs> you weren't just like you know some like hapless standby either you you were actually kind of intimidating i think i'm you were intimidating all no, you no 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 you're lots of, and you're so sophisticated and you and your lines you'd kind of like stutter them sometimes i was like wow it's like he actually doesn't know what word is going to come next that is so sophisticated whereas like i would just memorize them and just like read them like a like a machine Right, but no. you actually, yours, yours sounded spontaneous. I well, that's because that's because I maybe I didn't have it committed to memory, and I was like flying by the seat of my pants. <laughs> no, I don't know, but it's like case in point, Emily. That scene where you are, you know, you just got slapped. You're inexplicably hiding behind a very tiny bush across the street, <laughs> trying the to fact, make yeah. on you. No, the fact that you sold that, and here I am. Walking up to you as this novice, you know, like it was so intimidating because the, the whole, um, well, if you've got nothing better to do, you could come hang out with us as Baron. I missed the fucking point of that entire scene. Yeah, the worst <laughs> line reading, like second only, second only to It Kills Kids, damn it, is it's the worst line reading of my career. And you're sitting there like, like soaking in your tears and you're like, professional no. like i was literally waiting for you to snap and be like work with me dude 
<laughs> Please you, work with me. No, but I mean, if you how can, can I work with this? God, oh, oh, you're so if terrible. You had, like, if you had like shown like compassion and concern, that would have been totally unrealistic for an 11 year old boy. I mean, that's what kids are like. That was yeah. authentic. It's just like, hey, you want to come uh, to the store with me? Like, <laughs> just what, like you're stupid, and you played stupid. So authentically. <laughs> and this is right after I said, you know, being Ben was such an organic experience for me. <laughs> I was, I was, <laughs> like, I was really dumb as fuck. I, yeah, really. No. I mean, terrible, <laughs> terrible. I, I, th but there were a few moments where I was like, do I even deserve to be here? And that was one of them. Oh, I felt was, that the whole, the whole time. I was like, I totally don't. I was like, oh, they just cast me because it's cheaper to cast Vancouver actors. Like, I've been told that. Um, like, yeah, you're getting paid way less than all the people from L.A. And, yeah, so you're you're how they're saving money. So I was like, I'm the discount oh, cast. And, uh, yeah, so I was, like, kind of trying to learn from you guys. But, like, I, I don't know. On another level, like, I didn't even really care like i didn't have the commitment to the like the professional craft of acting like i i don't know <laughs> and that, I, but that is not how it played on the outside like uh -oh. honestly it was so good and and like there were there were moments like when you know jonathan has like monologue number three where it's like you know swear to me i was like what am i doing here this guy is legit. What am I doing here? No, I thought I I I thought he was so good. To, he was so like subtle, and he. I remember him saying to me like, Emily, you know, um, when I first started acting, I I tended to overact. Like, oh no! Trying to push the emotions, and I'm mm -hmm. like, Oh my god, am I doing that? Oh my god, I am <laughs> doing that. And I and then I would listen to him deliver his lines, and they were so like. I don't know, subdued somehow. And I was like, oh, God, he's like, whoa, he's the real thing. I just, yeah. yeah. He learned a lot on Never Ending Story Part Two. Yeah. <laughs> that sound cue can only mean one thing. It is time for the mid roll ad read. Uh, let's start with. Uh, our sponsor, the good folks over at Athletic Greens. We use Athletic Green products literally every day here at KingCast HQ. I started taking them because, quite frankly, I need them. I am uh, not getting all the vitamins I probably should be getting as a uh, as a podcast host. And um, so, yeah, well, they, they sent us quite a supply of this stuff back in the day. And uh, Eric and I have been taking it ever since. It's um, really good for hangovers. Really good for uh, mental clarity, and it doesn't taste like it's super healthy either. In fact, it has kind of a, a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. How is how is your Athletic Greens intake going, Eric? Uh, it's going well. I'm keeping up at it. They're not lying. You do feel a little energized about, uh, mm -hmm. about your day. I always start off the day with it, and I definitely feel like I'm ready to tackle the world when, when I drink that Athletic Greens. At 5 p.m. when you wake up. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes no, it is. It is. Uh, it, it is the CBD stuff that it, it is helping me uh, get on my sleep schedule. But it is the athletic greens that makes me feel energized when I can actually wake up in the morning. Well, thank God for our, our lovely sponsors. Uh, so what is athletic greens? Well, with one delicious scoop, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, 
recovery focus aging all of the things. It even supports mental clarity and alertness, which is something I definitely need while recording this show. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially leading into the flu and cold season. It's cheaper than purchasing all the separate ingredients yourself and all for less than $3 a day. One scoop in a cup of water every morning, boom, you are done. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash kingcast. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash kingcast to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And I'm up to tell you a little bit about microdosing. Now, this is normally Scott's area of expertise, but he can't have all the fun all the time. So it's up to me to fill you in on our next sponsor, Lumi Labs, and their line of THC gummies built specifically for microdosing. As I mentioned, I have a little trouble with my sleep schedule. When I do sleep, I sleep pretty damn hard, but I've struggled with insomnia and maintaining a regular sleep schedule pretty much my entire life. Uh, Let's just say that my circadian rhythm has been all out of whack, and it has been for a very long time, and that causes wild swings in my sleep schedule. I've tried melatonin and had mixed success, but when Lumi sent me some samples to try out, I found that they've been really helpful in getting me to relax at a semi-human hour and stay away from my vampire-like sleep schedule. When I say microdosing, I don't mean like you're tripping balls or walking around stoned. Uh, This product isn't that. This product is aimed at helping you relax, and it works. The best part is Lumi's THC gummies are available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com, and if you like what you see, you can use the code KINGCAST to save 30% off your first order and get free shipping. Again, that's microdose.com, code KINGCAST. Very well done, Eric. Uh, I think it's about time to get back to the show. What do you think? I think you're about right. Let's do it. So something that, that comes through in the doc is that essentially the filmmakers were looking for people that embodied the character, their characters in Stan, you know, is one of the most complex members of, of the losers club. Uh, uh, and it's also one that I think could easily be, I don't want to be insulting, but he's the scaredy cat, right? It could easily just be played as oh, a yeah. one note, you know, <laughs> I'm scared of everything. Um, but the way that uh, that you ended up playing him and the way you interpreted the character was, you know, somebody uh, who very believably and rightly so was scared of what they were facing, but not a, a coward. Right. He was backed up by his friend. So I, I guess I'm this is a long way around for me to to ask you about playing Stan and portraying that and seeing pieces of yourself in that character. Yeah, no, but you're right. He he he, um, he had a lot going on um, and um, he was scared of, of everything. Um, and I think that he was also, you know, um, afraid to deviate from, you know, any expected behaviors, um, that, that his parents, you know, instilled in him too. So he wasn't the type to kind of like, you know, do anything that wasn't by the book. Um, and, uh, so I think I, I got a sense for that, you know, after, after reading the script. And again, I, I just, had only read the script. So I, you know, I really didn't have an understanding of, of a lot of these intricacies that you might have uh, picked up, you know, by, by reading the book. Um, but I guess what I could say is that I was not like that. I was not like Stan in that regard. Um, you know, uh, yeah, my parents uh, had rules for me, uh, just like everyone else. Um, but yeah, I, I tested those rules. And, and um, you know, so I, I had my own mind and i wanted to uh you know validate whether or not my parents were right you guys know how that is right 
Um, so anyways, I, I think the one, one cool thing that came up, um, which was very organic and uh, not in the script. And um, it was the scene where, um, you know, we were all sort of walking back from, I think um, the rock throwing fight and dropping off um, uh, Eddie at his house, uh, you know, where his mom comes out and says, Oh, Eddie, get in here. Stop hanging out with these people, you know, all that. Um, And, Right before that scene was, right before we were getting ready to film it, um, we're just kind of goofing around together doing these like Pratt falls and like fake crash into the tree and just entertaining ourselves. And I guess Tommy was watching us and um, he said, I want, this is what I want you guys to do as you guys are walking towards the house um, and and about to drop off Eddie. you know, I want, I want you guys interacting in this same way. And so you start to see a little bit of that, um, you know, in that scene. Um, and it was really the only time that I think you see Stan kind of cut loose a little bit, you know, cause he probably got some grass on his, his Boy Scout uniform or whatever he was wearing. Right. going to have to answer to and everything, but it just, it seems like in, that was one of the only times that he was able to kind of like maybe get a sense of what it feels like to go outside his normal boundaries. That definitely came across and, uh, and y'all are, I'm going to say it again. Y'all were being way too hard on yourselves because, uh, I can, I can speak, I can speak for, uh, for most of the, my, my generation as a big fan of the book, as a big fan of the story, you know, I, I didn't sit there like judging your, like, Oh, that's not how Ben would say that. That's not how Stan would do that. That's <laughs> right. not how Beverly would do that. I like you guys, just embodied those, you know, those people to the point now where, you know, I like, I picture you guys, you know, when I think of the the book, so it's, so, so you're being way too tough on yourself. Well, I mean, that's, Stop that's, it. Part of the, that's part of the, the problem with like acting, honestly, especially for film and TV, you don't have the process that you would with theater, you know, to, to nail the performance or to get it right. Or, um, and I, I just think we're, we are our own worst critics, of course. Um, nothing will ever be good enough. <laughs> That's why most people don't even watch themselves. So, I mean, it's... I know that feeling. <clears throat> so, I mean, most of that, you know, like introspective kind of, wow, I sucked, is, is just more fun than anything, really. So, Ben did have to uh, dip out, and uh, but we are going to continue for just a little bit longer with uh, Emily and Brandon. It would be great to hear you talk about seeing yourselves in Ben and Beverly. I mean, I know that's a very broad uh, question, but something that's come up every time we've talked about the story, no matter, you know, who we're talking to, you know, we had um, Emily V. Gordon, who co-wrote uh, uh, The Big Sick, you know, she came on and she talked about she also has a background in child psychology. So she, you know, she was like kind of diving deep into these characters. But every time we've, we've had anybody on to discuss it, there's always the question, you know, uh, it always turns to when you read this at a certain age, you always picture yourselves, you either know somebody in that friend group or you see yourself in the friend group of the Losers Club, which is why I think it as a book and it as, you know, a, the, a movie or a miniseries, you know, is always going to speak to to young people because they're, you know, it tells truth. People recognize those characters. And um, uh, so like, is that something you felt when you uh, read the book as well or read the script in, in this case? Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, I've I always kind of felt like an outsider as a kid and I think we all we all do in one way or another. Um but I mean even, you know, just by virtue of being female, 
one is in this sort of minority position um, culturally. And especially like in the 1950s, that was even more so than, than today. And um, yeah, I, and like I, I said, like my mom did grow up in poverty and, and I felt this kind of familial kinship, but I also kind of feel like there's this, I don't know, like when you're, when you have, um, you know, abuse in your family, like there's, it's almost like you feel like there's this curse and I felt like, you know, this, these characters were, were cursed in some way. And like, I still feel that to this day, like I, it's so hard to break cycles of violence and, um, and they, you know, they come through in one way or another, not necessarily like as dramatically as in previous generations, but like, there's always an element of like questioning, like what is wrong with us? Is it genetic? Is it like, um, like what is the psychological root of this? And it does feel almost like there's this supernatural like curse that has infected your family. And, and like now being, you know, being divorced, like I didn't have a successful marriage similar to like Beverly Marsh. Mm. And I mean, not that I was in the same situation as her character, but yeah, I do. I feel this like profound kind of connection to that character. I also sometimes wonder though, like, like when, as being a child actor, like, does it somehow like imprison you? You know how like indigenous cultures when, like when they first were exposed to like photography thought that Mm -hmm. your soul is getting trapped in the, in the the picture. I kind of feel like that is true for me having been a child actor. Like there's some part of me that is like trapped in that story and um and like holds me and like kind of pins me to my to my childhood vulnerabilities in a way that like I might have been able to escape otherwise. I think this is just an illusion I have. I think everybody is like in some way at the mercy of their of their early experiences because they're formative. Um I can imagine that- feeling that way, but do you do you feel negatively about that? I don't I don't feel negatively when I stand back and 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 really conceptualize it like I'm doing now like I just kind of feel like it's it's the richness of human experience and it's right universal. Um and and when I think of it that way I feel good but like you know sometimes in the moments in life when you feel anxiety and fear like you're in it and you, you can't necessarily step back from it all the time. So I guess it's like a privilege to have been part of a, a story that, that helps me to reflect on life and like distance myself in some way. From- sure. Yeah, it's sure. interesting. You mentioned that because uh, we had Will Wheaton on the show and he was talking about relating to Gordy uh, in stand by me as a kid, because he's like, Oh, I, you know, I like, you know, reading, I, you know, I, I get this, this thing. And he said that it wasn't until decades later that he realized that he was in a dysfunctional family life that was very similar to the one in uh, stand by me that Gordy Lachance has. And yeah, uh, I have so much respect for him for like, for talking about that. And yeah. Um, yeah. It takes, a, it takes a lot of courage to, to recognize and, and share with people, but I think it's important to do so. Because there's, there's so many people who suffer and believe that they're alone. Brandon, how do you feel about all that? You know, I, it's just like my dreams, honestly. They're so literal. And it's, I, it's some kind of maybe mental shortcoming. I don't, I don't know. You know, 
No, honestly, honestly, you know, people, some people who have these dreams and they like recall these like vivid dreams, you know, they, they have to turn to a book to try and dissect it. What does it mean? (laughs) You know, what is this bearded lady doing in my dream? What, what is she (laughs) trying to tell me? You know, why, you know, why is the moon red? You know, you have these things, but literally my dreams are, (laughs) they're, you can't they're just so literal it's just pure existence i don't have any like profound like like, uh anyway your soul isn't trapped in a a 1990 uh, abc miniseries no and and it and um you know it's for me inhabiting ben is is much the same for me it it worked because I had so much in common with that character. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so, so in that sense, yeah, there is a piece of me that is locked away in a, you know, on a, a piece of tape. I don't know. It was just kind of a sweet, a sweet process for me. I mean, it just, I lived, I started acting in San Diego, which was, you know, pretty far from LA. Um, you know, so I would have to drive there many times a week. I would miss a little bit of school. And the more that I started working, the closer it, you know, it made sense to move closer to LA. Um, so I, I changed schools quite a bit. Like Ben, I did not have a dad, right? I guess you would, you could say I was a bastard, but you could also say I was, um, you know, a product of love. Yeah. <laughs> Say with, with, my, my, my biological with, father took off at when I was six weeks old. So, well, actually, technically, my mom took off from him. So uh, I've been, uh, you know, I feel you on that one. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's just, I, I don't know. For me, it's it's it was all very, um, very real. Like there couldn't have been a better part for me to, to be <laughs> written, and then. You know, everything that, that Ben experiences, except for, you know, the clown dressed up as your dead dad standing in the middle of a lake before he attacks you in skeleton form, right, uh-huh. was was my existence. I was bullied for being fat. I was bullied for being on TV, as, <laughs> as stupid as that is. Right. Like, they for were real? Fine. Like, like how yeah, so? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or they, like, you know, from the hallway, down to the end of the hallway, someone would be like, hey, Wonder Years, you know, like, that's my name. Or... It's just they. Kids you, are, kids you get January Embers. They're just January. They're Ambers. just jealous. Brandon. Yeah, no, no. Poetry uh, was never my strongest suit, <laughs> but you know there there were quite a few you know things with this. You know the, the dad, the, the the constant transience, the right, um, and even the unrequited love. Like you know, there's yeah. that's just a thing. Like being in this triangle. I mean, there was a period on the set. Um, not to make things weird, hello, but um, <laughs> I totally had a crush on Emily for a while, right. and and we're filming this scene where the like we're all leaving. Um, you know, we escort her back to her house, right? Mm-hmm. And Emily's looking at Jonathan, and Jonathan's being smitten, or whatever. And I'm standing in the middle of the road, <laughs> right, looking back at them. And I'm just to, that was that was that was for that for that moment and that like period that was that was real life. Right? I'm literally going, please hit me, you know. There's a car, please hit me, <laughs> like run me over, <laughs> because it, it was 
No, but it's it's cool. It, it's 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 um it's part of the the process of of growing up, right? But it yeah. it 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 was all very real for me in in many 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 ways. Again, right. except for the clown dressed up as your dead dad on a lake <laughs> right. before he attacks you, um, before he tries to untie my shoes as a skeleton. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's just trying to help you out. He didn't yeah. want you to trip. So I being, mean, being so, a dad skeleton. Right. So in that sense. There is a real, like, genuine piece of me, you know, in that right. in that movie. Well, but, this is why I'm telling you not to be so hard on yourself because that scene that you mentioned, like, that stood out to me. Like, you know, I was the I was the fat, shy, fat kid. You know, reading this is why I related to Ben when reading the book and you know watching all the versions of the movie. It's like that, you know. I've, you know, I felt that, you know, that because you you do a thing in that where like you do this kind of look where you're not like angry at it, but you're just kind of resigned. Like, yep, I guess that's, yeah, that's it. just how things this is how it is for us. It's like right, it's like friend know. zone. You know, it's like oh right. yeah. Okay, cool. I get it. Friend zone. Awesome. Yeah. Again. Wonderful. Oh, well. <laughs> That's great. That's yeah, great. Isn't that scene also the one that like where where Bev uh is convinced that uh Bill's the one that wrote the poem <laughs> too and and you just go, Well, fuck me, I guess. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it, right? No, that is it. That is that is exactly right. it. That that was the connection. Um right. you know. so um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, and I, I look back like that entire experience, um, you know, okay, when we go to these conventions or, or if someone, you know, like recognizes me or, or whatever, and they want to talk about the movie, it makes it very easy. Um, you know, because I've, it's, it's, it's all very like real, you know, but I, right. I love the stories that people tell when they're like, oh. I totally related to that character. Everything about that character was me. And it's like, yeah. And, uh, and you didn't die, right? Everything's good. You helped me through, you know, whatever trouble that, uh, you know, I was experiencing. And, and, um, and you know, the, the, the larger set, they, um, they find solace knowing that at the very end, you know, they, that Ben gets the girl, right? Right. <laughs> right. So, so it's nice to like – right. To, to to be a part of that and and um, have my experiences um, you know help others in some way as absurd as that sounds it, it's- yeah no it's super gratifying I think that's yeah it's it's amazing to think that you know like in through playing our little parts we can actually connect with so many other people it's that's what the amazing thing is I think about acting and you know getting to film something that gets a fairly good distribution and um and and especially being able to tell to tell a story that has such universal applicability right and and you have no idea when you're doing it i mean it's just a job it's just work you have no idea what the outcome is going to be you have no idea if if like your performance is going to touch anyone Right. Um, but you do have to have that desire to communicate, right? Like right. I've struggled with that a lot. Like it's, a lot of times I just, I'm very introverted and I have no desire <laughs> to communicate. If I hadn't started acting when I was 10 years old, I never, never would have like chosen that path as an adult. It's just I, like, I'm quite shy. So um, yeah, you. I think you. there has to be a desire to communicate even though you don't know whether it's going to like reach anyone or anyone's going to, you know, read your words or see your, whatever it is. Um, 
yeah, which I think is just, yeah, it's a good, it's a good thing. It's like, it gives me faith in humanity that, that people want to communicate. <laughs> people just have that like basic desire to want to like communicate and share their art, whatever their art form ha- happens to be. Right. In the wake of, of the miniseries, did you guys have any inkling of just like how massive this thing was? You know, they, they mentioned numbers in the doc. They say 30 million people watched, watched the miniseries. Um, and I knew it was huge. It was a big moment, you know, it was a big water cooler thing, uh, as they, they, you know, many people have called it, but it's like, it was something It hit pop culture in a huge way. Everybody in, in, you know, my school was talking about it. I remember watching it with my parents, you know, it's like, it was a thing where you gathered together, you know, and everybody was, was glued to it. So, and as a result, you know, there's so many people that say that the movie fucked it, fucked them up at a young age, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and all that. But like, did you like know right in the wake that it was this huge thing that impacted you or was it something? Thing that as you you know grew older and you met people and like heard these common stories of of uh you know of just how you know for a brief second everything was focused on this uh mini series it seemed like no i ha- i didn't have really any idea until like with, with the new films coming out hmm. i think just the fact that like there was there was kind of this this an appetite for them because people had this like nostalgic um, remembrance. I was like, oh wow, a lot of people remember the the, the nineteen ninety movies. That's that was kind of shocking hmm. to me. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think I I really realized until that point that how many people had actually seen it the the nineteen ninety miniseries. Huh. What did y'all make of the the new it movies? Brandon's well, actually in in the yeah. second one, I think. Right. Sure. I think they're yeah. they're awesome. Like so well done like fantastic like <laughs> big improvement on the, the, like the old ones have like this the, that nostalgic element and um you know we're we're, we're seen by a lot of of kids who in in some ways like you know it's, it's a sure. different audience but right. um yeah like i think i think the new ones are fabulous but were you comparing notes? Like, weren't you like, 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 wasn't some part of you up this reading here? I would have done it so much better. Like, wasn't, isn't there some part of you that's sort of comparing Pennywise's and, and your own performances? Like, I imagine that's sort of this like double mirror thing where you're well, in terms of comparing performances, kids these days are like, they're so sophisticated compared to what, like we (laughs) came from a very naive time. (laughs) We did. We really did. As like saturated with media by any means. So kids now, like they're all like, they're all like making their own podcasts and stuff from the time they're like two, they're filming themselves playing video (laughs) and stuff. I mean, Mm -hmm. we just have more practice than we had so <laughs> i give us a break there <laughs> yeah i mean you know a lot of the themes especially they're they're better equipped to handle the themes than than i think we ever could have been although you know emily had like she did some pretty serious stuff right like if i i was eating candy bars while she was uh, a survivor of you know domestic violence right uh, on screen you know uh, leading up to this moment right so um you know, we're the sophistication. I think isn't isn't going to change. I mean, I think it's going to kids are going to continue to be more sophisticated, um, which is you know terrifying. Right. I looked at it's, yes, terrifying. Yeah, it's totally terrifying. I um, I reached out. 
I reached out to Jeremy Ray Taylor when they announced the cast, right? Because they've been mm-hmm. threatening to do a remake for decades. Right, sure. You know, people have gotten on and jumped off the bus just as fast. You know, they'll make a press announcement or they'll make an announcement and then, you know, there'll be the usual creative differences, whatever, you know, stops the stops the bus from rolling along. And um, it looked like they were finally doing it. I was like, oh, holy shit. Let's uh, let's see. Let's see how this goes. And I know Jared reached out to um, Nicholas Hamilton, um, but I was just. I was just, I wanted to give this kid like any support. And I, and I, yeah. I even prefaced the, the, not that it matters. You know, I reached out to him. I was like, dude, you, you're probably going to be carrying a film, like a feature film without the help of commercials or, you know, mm-hmm. adults. Like right. um, my hat's off to you. Best of luck. If there's anything I can do to help you with like the character, not that it's going to be the same. I, I'm 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 here for you, you know. Um, and he just he replied like instantly. He's like, "Thank you. I, I won't let you down." As if he could, you know. <laughs> the material right. is going to be, um, you know, insanely different than ours. Right. And as it turns out, the way Ben was written in the screenplay was different than mine ever would have been. You know, it's a it's a, a tale of two different bends, right? Um, so when I sat down and, and I watched the movie the, the day it came out, I I was like rooting for Jeremy, but yeah. I was also like, I didn't compare like performances or or, or anything. I um I was curious to see what Bill Skarsgård was going to do, right? But I, um, I what I was most concerned with, honestly, and this sounds fucked up, but it's it's I had. I mean, I would just turned like 40 or 41 and the thought of being made classic or, or the, one of the things that I was like most proud of being put up on a dusty shelf now mm. because there's, you know, a replacement. There's a new model. There's a right. new model. Right? right. And I'm only 40. It's like, what? <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. And, it, and it's, and it's not because like I love living in the past, although I do it very well. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I wasn't ready to be classic anything yet. Right. Yeah. That's um, understandable. But it, as it turns out, there's room for both. And I mean, there, there are people who love the title, but who are just as polarized as um, political parties in the United States. Like right. there are people who like hate the miniseries. Um, and there are people who hate the the new films because I think of the one is not the other, not for any real objective, uh, purpose, but just because of, of the nostalgia, you know, that it, it, it held over their childhoods. Like, so uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I went in with a very open mind. I was rooting for Jeremy Ray Taylor and I was so, I loved the rapport between the kids. Sure. I don't think their characters were as like contrasted as ours. Right. Um, That's but, fair. But they were living, they were living very much in the exact timeline when we shot ours. So right. All of yeah. the humor, all of like the mom jokes. Um, and Jonathan Brandis was a savage, by the way. He was, <laughs> yeah. he was very gifted uh, with, 
with the slurs and the mom jokes. I, uh, my, yeah, my you mentioned that in the there. doc that you guys went pretty hard at each other. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we work like 12, 18-hour days, you know, six or seven days a week. Yeah, you're going to uh, talk some shit. We're going to start talking shit. We're going to start having some fallouts. We're, we're going to be kind of like sick of each other. And then we'd have a little brouhaha, and then, um, you know, everything well, was, was reset. Everything it's summer was camp, ain't it? You know? Totally summer camp. Um, I mean, I think the only person that um, that didn't bear any brunt of that stuff was uh, Emily, because we loved her so much. <laughs> I, I, I have I have one. Well, go ahead, Emily, please. No, I was just gonna say I was very naive and innocent. I had no idea what they were talking about. Like all the. <laughs> I my <laughs> final question for y'all is, um, what's the un, the most unusual thing either of you have encountered while doing the con circuit, like in terms of a fan coming up to you. Have you had any unusual encounters? Anything that stood out? Like, good, bad, doesn't matter. Um, the thing that's really weird for me is when, like, um, like men in their 40s come up to me with pictures of me as, like, a little girl. And they're yeah, like, yes. I was, I, I'm in love. With, I was in love with you and stuff. Oof. And it just seems really weird because now they're they're 40 and I was right. a little girl. And <laughs> it seems yeah. bad. But at the time, they were, of course, children themselves. So I have to right. remind myself of that. But that's all. Right. But <laughs> I would never. <laughs> like, we all had a crush on young Bev. But, like, as a, as a, a similarly 40-year-old man, <laughs> like, showing up with a headshot and being, like, sharing that seems really fucked up to me. <laughs> it's, it's weird. <laughs> yes, it's kind of strange. I'm, I mean, I'm sure, like, Emily, have you, I mean, you've seen people that have, that have I mean, you're, like, tattooed on body parts, kid. You, I you know that. I've seen people with, tattoo, with tattoos. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've yeah. seen you tattooed on people, too, though. Like, yeah, it's it's very in, it's a very interesting feeling. Like oh. I can tell you, my wife is not one of them. Right? <laughs> but a forty year old dudes come up with your fourteen yeah, year old face tattooed on their I ass, mean, and I they want to show it to you. I mean, there was a guy. I, there was a lady. She had um, she had me, and and the problem with this, right? It's like all the ones I've seen of Emily were done by like awesome artists, right? <laughs> right. Okay. So they paid real money for. I like yeah, this, I mean, I like, like I mean, they look good, right? But there was one. <laughs> this lady had me on her shoulder, and um, like a prison. You look like Sluggo like, from Nancy. It's a, it's a little, it's a little abstract. I think that's the, the best way to say it. It was a little abstract, and. You know, so like my eyes, I, I have kind of almondy eyes, right? Um, <laughs> right. They're, they're pushed way back into my head because I have a Cro Magnon skull. But the, um, <laughs> you know, so if I have a little extra, you know, water in my cheeks, they, you know, they, they it takes a little work to get them out, right? Sure. But this was just straight up. Like I think I looked Korean. <laughs> For real, and I—I I mean, it's cool and it's flattering, and it's but it's it's also like holy shit. Yeah, what do you say? Mo- like, what do you say in the moment? You say, "Oh, that's great work. Oh, how cool is that? Oh, that's that's awesome." But I, I have a, yeah. I have a, I have a, like a really hard time 
and and someone told me this once, like you have a hard time telling people what they want to hear. And <laughs> and I think that's kind of true. And I would like I, I just my my instinct is to be brutally honest, like at all times, right. you know, and sometimes my mouth takes over. So I, I don't have like um like I shouldn't do that sometimes. What, what is you it know? like walking up, walking up to a lady in a stroller saying, "Oh my God, what a no, but uh, I'll, baby!" I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like uh, <laughs> a, a very close friend of mine, um, she's an author, and recently uh, she's she's working on a number of books right now. Right, uh, got some artwork made for this book, and one of the pieces of artwork was like a drawing of her face, and it. <laughs> And and I saw it and she showed it to me and was like, what do you think of this? And I said, well, they give you a, like a Joker chin. Like, that's not what you like, like a Brian Boland, you know, like pointy sort of, you know, chin. And I was like, that's not. Yeah. So I don't know about that. Like I would I would. And she was like, fuck you, dude. And I'm like, but, but I'm like, you, you showed me the picture and asked me, like, of course, I'm gonna, like, we're friends. Like, do you want the answer or do you not? So if like someone came up to me and showed me like a really janky tattoo of myself yeah. on their shoulder that like where I look Korean, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> fuck. Like, I, like, well, I'm I don't, so sorry. I don't, yeah. I don't know that I could bite my tongue. No, so. I mean, that exists in the inner monologue, of course. Yes, of I've, course. I, always, I subscribe to, you know, it's, it's, it's much easier to be kind, right? So in, in all things, to strangers, so. at least, <laughs> at least to strangers, <laughs> right. for sure. yeah, to, to strangers. But even I have that, I have that problem with strangers too. I just don't <laughs> have like, I can't, if you ask me a, a, my opinion of something, I'm not going to lie to you about it. I'm just not sure. like, so it's, it's sure. It, that's it doesn't sound I like need a scenario, though. But you know what? Okay, so there are uh, many things are temporary, right? Situations, circumstances, um, sure, um, <laughs> um, items, things are, are very temporary, <laughs> right? That they can grow out of fashion and they can get rid of easily by giving them to the goodwill, right? Mm -hmm. Or um, selling it on eBay, for example. Um, a tattoo with your fucking face on it is not one of those things, right? <laughs> Well, okay. done is done. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> so I would hate to, you know, make someone feel bad because that's not something that they can change, right? Right, or, right. Not yeah, without, so a, not without a laser. Like the kindest person ever. Like I remember as kids, like you get, you would like if you saw like a homeless person on the street, you like had to give them money. You would right. like go to the bank machine, Brandon, and take out money uh, <laughs> and to give it to someone if they. Yeah, asked. I know. <laughs> That's and, and 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 Seth Green just went and kicked him. <laughs> he he would have kicked him and then sketched him, like he would have <laughs> sketched the aftermath. That's what I, I I did especially love about any time I spent with Seth was that we would like draw things together. He'd do one half, and I'd do the other half. And if you you know put them together, um, it, <laughs> it's it would look tell, like that lady's tattoo. It, well, maybe, <laughs> but you could tell that that one of us had a future as uh, an illustrator <laughs> and animator, um, and the other didn't clearly. Uh, sure. yeah, I didn't so. know that about Seth. Huh. Yeah, he was. He'd love to do that. Like he he had his own style already. See, that's why he's a baller. But 
But it okay. So then the, there was one other time, real quick, that that a guy he wanted me to sign his leg, and Adam was there too. This was in Indianapolis, and he'd already gotten the entirety of the losers from the new movies, and he right. was just starting oh, his wow. collection of us on his leg. And they had um, a couple. When of you say his and, leg, yeah, like you're signing his leg, and then they're tattooing like, it. Li- yeah, literally with a sharpie, you sign his leg, and then he would go to one of the the tattoo vendors. Okay, right show on. Right on. Just you know, get it, get it yeah. done. Um, you know, I thought that's just absurd. It, I mean, it's it's great. It's don't get me wrong, it's cool, but just um, but that is your own handwriting, and you don't look like a different race. You know, this so is, yeah, this is true. Like an this unrepresentative, is, like not that there's true. anything wrong with being a different race or anything no, like that. But you know, it's it would be jarring, like if somebody. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm no. Well, I'm not going to go down that road. But no, no, like, no, no. I, I, I totally get you. I mean, we're not, we're not. It, it certainly wasn't. I, I, I wasn't being appropriated. You know, it, it's not. It's, it's all good. Like I wasn't mad. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't going to call the ACLU because this person got it wrong. <laughs> You're a funny motherfucker, man. I, I, I like talking to you. Yeah, I like talking to you too, Emily. I'm not trying to leave you out. Is but, that is that, um, is that your is um, that your segue to wrap this up? You're like, hey, it's great. <laughs> you know, you're funny to talk to, you, but uh, we got to go. No, <laughs> uh, no, but we we should wrap this up. Um, yeah, because I did promise you guys an hour, and now an yes. hour, an hour and a half in. Um, yes, let's yeah. let's so let's Ooh, talk, that, dude. So let's talk about yeah. where people can see the doc. Uh, your are I you do excited have for people to? Oh, you have another question. Well, I do. I do have one. One final one, because a, a big part of the doc is kind of showcasing how uh, the younger cast worked with their adult counterparts. And uh, I am going to be forever jealous that you, you know, got to spend time with John Ritter. And he seems like the coolest fucking dude. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so maybe maybe that could be something we could talk about uh, to lead into the the finale here is just kind of. Uh, the time and here's the thing is I listen. There's a commentary on the the Blu-ray for the miniseries uh, where John Ritter's on it, and he comes across as like the biggest Stephen King nerd uh, in the <laughs> world, and like and he just seems so nice and happy and was just so excited and loved the material and was so happy to be there and all that. Is that is that the feeling that you got? Uh, I I totally think so. Um, yeah, I don't I don't feel like like um, they weren't excited to to be, you know, working together. Um, the energy was always good. The, you know, right. the, the vibe was always nice. Um, but I think, you know, John, I learned, a, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was just chiming in. Sorry. <laughs> go. No, you go, you go. Yeah. Emily, um, uh, Brandon's been talking a lot. Yeah. Lately. I've been talking a <laughs> lot. Emily. This <laughs> always happens too. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> The questions for you, but like well, I remember. No, being it's, it's for both of you. It's for you. Yeah, yeah. I want to hear you talk about uh, working with Annette as well. But uh, you know, I think what would be fun is if Emily just talks about John Ritter and Brandon can talk about uh, Annette O'Toole. Well, I do remember like horning in on your conversation with John when we were like filming outside of like Young Bev's house. And because mm-hmm. I was totally he like John Ritter was the person I was starstruck by. Like I didn't know who Tim Curry was, but John Ritter, like I watched Three's Company like every day <laughs> at yeah. home. And yeah. I loved him. Um 
And so I was like super jealous that you got to have this like conversation with him. And so I was kind of like leaning towards you guys and like looking over there. And like, and I remember John being like, oh, come over, like come sit with us and being mm-hmm. just so friendly and kind. And oh my gosh, I loved him. I loved him. <laughs> he didn't like go through paces. Like I think, you know, there's been times when um, oddly, like at least once where I was doing a play and there were like three iterations of us. Right. So we had to find some business that was the same that would tie us together. The same thing with John Ritter. But I remember I was not as gracious. Right. I didn't have time for this shit. I have a full load of in college. Um, you know, I, I, I have a job and I'm doing a show like this. I can't No, I don't have time. Um, but John was genuinely interested in what I was all about. I mean, he wanted to know where I lived. I mean, not, you know, down to the details so he could stop by and, you know, have a drink. But, um, you know, everything about that man was, was genuine. Right. And I saw him in a play in North Hollywood just before he died, maybe six months before he died. Um, and I caught him at the stage door and he remembered me like without question. It's, it's a, it's a way better story than the one I have with Tim Curry later. Oh um, no. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, he, and he was just absolutely just gracious and, um, and it was like a dream come true, you huh. know, working with someone who was on my television every single day and for well, him to turn out to be so gracious is more than I, I could have asked for as a as a fledgling actor, right? To have as well, a I want I want to hear about Annette O'Toole, but you uh, you cannot leave this uh, podcast without telling uh, me this awkward Tim Curry encounter. Fuck, I did so, it again, so put Emily. It I'm sorry. No, put, put I didn't. Re- I, I like had almost no conversation. Like I had a really short conversation with Annette, so I don't really have a right. story to tell there. So tell the Tim the Tim Curry story. <laughs> okay, so I was doing a play and. Um, and so by day, I was working as a, a messenger, right? A document messenger in LA. And so I'm, you know, sitting in the car, kind of going over music, and my pager goes off, and it gives me the address and, you know, the, the, the person I'm supposed to pick up from, and it said Tim Curry. At the very bottom of the text, right, it said, do not, under any circumstances, disturb the occupant. Mm. <laughs> <clears throat> Your package will be outside. Huh. I look at this and I was like, it's not the Tim Curry, right? Like mm. the Tim Curry. But as I'm wandering up like the meandering sort of Hollywood Hills, I'm going, yeah, yeah, this is where, uh, this is where the, the ones who made it live. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I pull up to this place and, um, you know, I check the mailbox and sure, just like it said, the, the package was in the, the mailbox. So I took it and I thought, wait a second, you know, I worked with Tim Curry. I'm not like some schmuck, right? Like <laughs> surely I could just pop in and say hi. No, you know <laughs> what? Yes, I am. I am going to disturb Tim Curry. Right. So I knock on the door. Marsha opens the door and she's like, Oh my God, Tim. Right. And so, um, <clears throat> Tim came out and we had like a nice little, um, Reunion, you know, he was telling me about all the the work he was doing at the time, and he's getting ready oh, to man. Uh, That's to great. do spam a lot on Broadway, and 
And I was in mm-hmm. a musical at the time. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, that's that's kind of the path that I'd like to go down now, you know. But um, it was great catching up with you. Good good luck on Broadway. I think it's um, – I'm so excited. I'm a big Monty Python fan. It's going to be amazing. I'll uh, go ahead and take your mail now to the, uh, <laughs> to the accounting firm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we'll see you again. Uh, thanks for choosing All-Star. You know. <laughs> That is fucking humiliating, right? Okay, but, I get. I'm 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 actually thankful because I thought it was going to be uh, the way you framed it. It was like he, you like ran into Tim Curry later, and he's like, "Who the fuck are you? Leave me alone." That that's no. what I was expecting this to go. And I'm like, "Oh man, I hope I hope no. that's not." The- no, okay. even got him to sign a, a can of spam after he opened on on Broadway. Oh, so I saw him I mean, in spam a lot too. That he, he was fucking great on that in that he's, show. He's amazing. He's amazing in everything. Well, I, um, I, I I would like to point out to all yes. of our listeners that Tim Curry is in this documentary. Tim Curry is not mm-hmm. an easy interview to land. We have tried. Um, Matter of fact, uh, after watching the documentary, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try to uh, reach out uh, one more time because I reached out early the, in the show, uh, mm-hmm. in the show's history. I'm like, oh, it would be great if we could get him even if for just like 20, 30 minutes or whatever and heard nothing back. And I'm like, well, now we've got, we got Stephen King on the show. It's like, you know, we have, you know, we're racking up, you know, we, we just passed 2 million listens. It's like, we, we got, we're bona fide now. Right. And I reached out and within five minutes I got up. Tim is not interested. Like that was just the response. Absolutely. Like not a, not, not a sugar coated. It was just like, Nope, Tim. Tim doesn't is not interested in doing this. <laughs> no, and I, I think I, it's just it's got to be hard because sure. I mean, Tim is still very much Tim. It's it's just the it's the it's the it's the motor that's kind of right messing things up. It's like when he does these conventions, um, you know, he's I, I don't know how familiar you are with like Pasadena, but the convention center in Pasadena for Monster Palooza last month. Tim was there and they didn't even have him in the convention center. They booked out the Memorial auditorium for him to do photo ops. Right. Right. But there was no like meet and greets. He wasn't going to sign anything live. I think there are just certain things that are very hard for him. Right. And um, you know, it's, it'd be kind of a sad and unnecessary exercise for this dude to have to, of course, do that. And I I know the speech is hard. I mean, I, it's probably not personal or, or like, right. like, you know, like it's beneath him. That's certainly not the case. It's just, you know, probably logistics and practicality. I get it. I'm still going to take it as a personal insult, but that's, okay. uh, <laughs> you do that. <laughs> but I want to, I want to foster that hatred a little bit. No, I no. Like I, I worship the dude. Like if, of course, Rocky Horror, The Worst Witch was a, something I grew up on. You know, there's a ridiculous, you know, <laughs> fucking thing. Uh, oh, so good. Oh, yeah. And the, every Halloween that comes comes around, I, I always share and listen to on repeat his uh, Anything Can Happen on Halloween. You know, Clue. And yeah, I mean, he, he's he's the man. I, I was in I, I was in Hungary for something. Uh, I was visiting a set. I think it was like Hellboy 2 or something. Um and uh, we went out to eat at this Hungarian restaurant in, in Budapest and fucking in the right uh, next to us was Tim Curry and 
uh, Ian Gruffold, I think the guy who played Mr. Fantastic and they were shooting some something there. And I was like, Oh man, you know, I, I was so excited and I was like, oh, I'm not going to bug him, bug him there, but I, I I'm still kicking myself because you know, that's probably going to be my only chance to have ever exchange a word with a man. But, uh, 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 but that that is my Tim Curry interaction story. It's it, it's a fascinating, amazing, uh, uh, full of ups and downs and peaks and valleys. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. you're on the edge of your seats. Like I once no. ate at a restaurant next to next to Tim Curry. But um, no, but it's like it's like being close to greatness. Like there is something about that. Like right. even just being in proximity to someone who's like a master at their craft that you admire um, is. There's something cool about that. Agreed. Right. I mean, I saw Ricky Gervais, right? Maybe mm-hmm. 10 years ago, live on stage. I was more excited for that than I, I, just about anything I could think of because, mm. and when I saw him on stage, I was like, I don't know, transported back to like childhood. Like mm. this, I was like this dude, he's my spirit animal. And uh, I, I was totally starstruck. Like, not yeah. to the extent I was, I wanted to like be a creep and like, you know, like wait at the stage door. Like, Will you sign my leg? Um, <laughs> check out this rad tattoo. I got you check out this tattoo. I got your face, my back. Well, we have, know. we have certainly kept you folks long enough. Um, where can people see this documentary? When's it coming out? Like let's fill everyone. Emily, do you, do you, uh, Brandon has been talking a lot again. A lot. Like a lot. Um, Wait, do you, you want to do, do the plug? This? Yeah, I'm, not sure. the I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the um, release info. I can't. Oh. Well, it'll come out at some point and <laughs> we'll see it. I think it's July 26. Is that correct, Eric? That's what the email that I got said. Oh, uh, excuse me. July 27. Cards your way, Emily. <laughs> July 27th on Screenbox. Yes. And and I would like to point out uh, once again for our listeners, like they they're not fucking around with this documentary. Right. You get some curry in there. You get um, you get some deep dives into the material. Uh, There's all kinds of archival footage in there that I promise you you've never seen before. If if I haven't seen it, you haven't seen it. Um, (laughs) Seek this thing out. Like if, especially if you're a, a huge fan of the it mini series, it's, it's fantastic. It was educational for me and I was <laughs> there. <laughs> I, I mean, that's, that's all I have to say about it. There are a lot of things I had no idea about and it's, uh, it's pretty remarkable. Well, we, yeah, all, all the dead hookers that, uh, <laughs> that had to be cleaned up after Harry Anderson. Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought we embargoed that. Yeah, I think that's I know that that was the post credit stinger, but you know, it was too good not to talk right, about it. Right, right. Well, <laughs> thank you so much to uh Brandon, Emily, and Ben, who had to check out a little early for being here today. Folks, we love you. We grew up with you. This was uh, this is real bucket list shit to be able to talk to you all today. <laughs> and awesome, I, I thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having us. It was lovely. Many thanks to Emily Perkins, Brandon Crane, and Ben Heller for joining us. We got uh, a good chunk of the original Losers Club. And as somebody who, like, kind of obsessively watched that miniseries as as a young adult, it, it's kind of blown my mind that we actually got to talk to these kids 
uh, I say kids. Yeah. I, I think they're older than 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 I am. But uh, yeah, but know. you still kind of think of them as kids, right? It's weird. Yeah, it's like really it's adults. Like it was clear we were talking to adults on the phone. If we were talking to three children, we certainly probably would have noticed. But. Yeah, we, we we probably would have avoided some some of the topics that we we covered, and and definitely a lot of the language. Um, yes, probably, but, but uh, unless we were yeah. talking to Jacob Tremblay, we know that kid has a curses like a damn sailor. Yeah, filthy mouth on on Tremblay. Um, yeah, that was that was a really cool thing to to get to do, and uh, we have seen that that it documentary Pennywise. Mm-hmm. Pennywise, the story of it. I was I you know I wasn't blowing smoke up their asses. I thought that it it went a little deeper than a lot of those talking head docs do, right. and. Um, you know, it was I, I thought it was really cool to see some of the footage that they had compiled for that thing. I, you know, stuff I hadn't seen before. So definitely worth seeking out when that when that arrives later this month. So um, you may have noticed that this was not the episode that we teased at the end of last week's episode, wherein we told you that we uh, we had someone, a former uh, cast member, the TV show Veep coming on to talk to us about the long walk. But if all goes according to plan, that will be the episode next week. We rescheduled the recording. Uh, we are good to go as far as we know. So um, that tease from last week, pretend that's this week's. Yes. And yeah. We'll all be okay. Just slide that tease from last week yeah. over to this week. We're, ju- we're just kicking the can by, by a week. Uh, but I'm I'm really excited for this. I've never uh, talked to this person before, and uh, I really like their vibe. I guess is a good way to to put it. I, I think that uh, I think it's gonna be <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. I think I think it, it could be potentially a very fun show, but it's also one of my all time favorite King titles. Like I'm a huge fan of The Long Walk. So yeah, always so. happy to talk about talk about that one. Yeah, for uh, sure. And uh, what have we got planned for the? I know full well. I don't know. I don't know why I'm asking this. Like, I don't know. Tell them about the bonus episode situation. What sort of hijinks are we involved in this week? Well, we we have so many hijinks that we uh, aren't actually sure which one's going to go up on Friday. We're still debating which of the, uh, the, the multiple fishing lines that we have out there we are going to run with on Friday. I will tell you that every single one will involve a guest. Every single one is going to be... Tickling some sort of uh, Stephen King funny bone, I guess. I don't know what 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 does Stephen King stuff tickle? I don't know. I was trying to come up with a really good analogy, and I totally flopped. Your spooky it, but, bone, uh, your spooky bone. That's why didn't I come up with that right off yeah. the top of my head? That's why you're the you, yeah. you're you know you're the quick one here. Yeah, the spooky bone. The, we need spooky well, bone shirts. Yeah, I want to tickle Spook- your spooky bone. Yeah, your spooky bones will be tickled. <laughs> Uh, uh, so we tickle spooky bones. <laughs> it's, uh, we need to get Wood Rocket back in here to <laughs> to make a, a spooky bone vibrator, yeah, uh, or butt plug. Um, yeah, so yeah, we got some really fun stuff in the works. Uh, one of which will be up this Friday at our uh, Patreon, and you can sign up over at patreon.com slash the kingcast, and you will have immediate access to everything that we've uh, put up there going back two years now. And uh, that's a lot of stuff. Commentaries, interviews, random niche topics, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, whole ass episodes of the show that that uh, are exclusive over there. So much material. So you're only really getting half the show if you're listening to the, to yeah. the free feed. If it, just, you know, sign up, check it out, just overdose on KingCast episodes. And uh, you can do all that for like six bucks. It's very easy. 
Very easy. I agree. I think everybody listening should do that. Yes. That's my vote. And that would be uh, helpful. You know, and I think Scott and I are the only votes that, uh, the Kingcast votes that, that we uh, count, at least legally. So right. now you have to do it. If you're listening to this, now you have to. By law, you're required. Absolutely so. true. And I see yeah. no I see no no way to argue against it. <laughs> uh, I am no lawyer. And if you are a lawyer, then that was all said in jest. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so hopefully next week we will have our uh, long walk episode. And this Friday on the Patreon will be a um, special surprise that will tickle your spooky bone. Yes, no spooky bone will go untickled next week on the all weeks on the Kingcast. Really. Every week, but yes, Matter this fact, one's over. We're, re- we're rebranding the Kingcast to, to Spooky Bone Productions. Spooky Bone Product. God damn it! Why didn't we think of that to begin with? I know. All right, well, we're gonna figure that out. In the meantime, folks, we will <laughs> see you next week. <laughs> Bye. The Kingcast is a Fangoria podcast production. The show is produced, hosted, and created by Eric Vespi, that's me, and Scott Wampler. Tira Ansley and Abby Goel are executive producers. Daniel Danger is our art director, and editing is done by yours truly. 